Hello and welcome back to CHGO White Sox host game after a 7-4 victory over the Royals. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. To my left, camera right, is Jared Willis. Jared, what is your email? I know it's spelled a little different for our podcast listeners. So what is your uh, uh, Twitter handle? It is at J Willis and it's J W Y L L Y S. And why? Because he loves you. That's right. CHGO White Sox pregame is presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you want to sign up to get two risk free bets to up to $2,000. Ah, take a breath, White Sox fans. Doesn't that feel better? Doesn't that feel much better than a loss? I mean, you know, early, we were just all dreading this postgame. I was going to light these some bitches up. <laughs> but eventually, the offense started to work. Tim Anderson and Luis Robert brought us to the promised land. 7-4 to four victory, a series victory over the Kansas City Royals. And now we are tied with them as far as the whole series, uh, the season series, at 4-4. Four and four. Jared, your first thoughts about the White Sox winning today 7-4 to four over the Royals. Well, th- this is the kind of game that you hope will be a catalyst for getting this team rolling. You know, the, you feel like they've been really struggling to find their footing all season. Um, so who knows? Maybe a comeback victory like this. This can be the kind of thing that you look back and you say, "That's this is when they really got things started. And so much of it today, I think, had to do with, you know, some of the little things that they did well. You look at um, Tim Anderson in the third, third inning, if I remember right, taking – two stolen bases to, yep. you know, manufacture something there. Cause sometimes that's what you have to do when you're scuffling a little bit is search for that extra base, you know, do, do, uh, you know, do some of those little things well, or Josh Harrison, even though it was a, a little bit of a risky move mm-hmm. going first to third, it, but you know, sometimes you gotta, that's, you gotta take those risks just to, you know, get some runs on the board, get your offense going, you know, give an opportunity, um, for them to score. So I, I like seeing those things that set up stuff like then Luis Robert hitting his big two run Homer. And like you said, I think Tim Anderson and we'll get to the pitching uh, matchup and how bad both of those guys were. And luckily Carlos Hernandez was worse than our guy, but Tim Anderson willed the white Sox today. I think he usually does leadership by example. He says, Hey, I'm hitting this way. You guys can hit this way. And he didn't see his teammates follow him. He walked his first two at-bats. And then, like you said, in the third inning, he was like, okay, nobody behind me is walking. We're losing the damn Royals again. I'm not going to allow this. So after I walk, I'm still second. And the next pitch, I'm still in third immediately. Then I'm going to (laughs) get drove in by Luis Robert. Forcing the issue there, making sure that these guys know I'm not sitting down. I'm not going to be the one. You guys ain't following me? Cool. I'll lead by doing. And that's what leaders do. They say, okay, if you're not going to be following me, I'll just do it my damn self. And then Luis Roberts like, hey, I'll give you a little help, brother. I got you. I got you. And it was good to see that because we just had some ire here. It was like this dead-ass bats. And I'll show you the bat that I was thinking about in the first inning. If you can get that Luis Robert bat in the first inning, like – People who on podcast, you can't see this, but the two pitches that are way off of the zone, Luis Roberts swung at those. Like there was there was a ball in the dirt, which he got strike three on, that was never a strike by Carlos Hernandez. And Carlos Hernandez was giving the White Sox walks, wanted to give them walks more than the five that he gave in the three innings that he pitched. But the White Sox weren't taken. 
And then we look at the progression. He faced Carlos Hernandez the second time. And what happens? If you have that, there it is. He tries to get him again with something low. Yes, it's out of the zone, but Luis Robert eventually mm-hmm. said, okay, I'm Luis Robert, man. You can't be throwing me too much of these things down low. I'm going to adjust, and this one's a little higher than the pitches that he threw. It wasn't in the dirt, and it was a strike at, uh, initially, and then it fell out of the strike zone. So Luis Robert learned from his mistake, learned what the pitcher was doing to him, and got the hit done. So it's good to see that these guys are learning within the game. What, it doesn't yeah. take them a full game or within the only, the uh, bat, too to get what they need to get done and seeing what that pitcher is offering and sometimes taking your walks. That's what Tim did. Luis got a couple of hits today. It was good to see. Yeah. And I, th- I think you're right so much of offensively and really as a team as a whole, um, a lot of it builds from what Tim Anderson does. Um, Cause he, you know, isn't necessarily, a, I don't think the kind of guy who vocally is, is going to do a lot in the clubhouse and the dugout. He's, you know, his demeanor is a little quieter, but he goes out there and gets it done. And I know Larusa has compared him to Michael Jordan on more than one occasion. And that, you know, that's, there's something to that because mm-hmm. he does those things like, like he did today where, you know, you see him adjusting and because when he gets to third base and Luis Robert comes up, then there's, you know, for Robert that changes his approach. Then yeah. now he's his at bat changes because I've got a guy on third instead of at first. And he starts you know, he, he's looking to do something different there. So um, there's there's a lot about Anderson that, you know, can be easy to miss about the difference that he makes for this team. And when, when he's going well like this, this is – it's a good sign for them and it, it, you know, points them in a good direction. And it's good to see Eli Stein, guy from uh, Israel in the house again. Great win indeed. Steve's in the house. Danny Murray, Rustic Cole, my guy Jake Spiewak is also here. Yeah, after a victory – Jake, it's sometimes you, you know, it's in the middle of the day, firstly, because people have to go to work, Jake. But I don't think the White Sox fans would be like, hey, I'm here for CHGO postgame after losses instead of CHGO postgames after wins. Because I'm sure every White Sox fan is feeling great today. Um, Let's go to the pitching match and talk about something that wasn't that great. Ooh-wee. Carlos Hernandez, who coming into this game had a sub three ERA in five appearances versus the White Sox, three innings pitched, three earned runs, should have gave up much more, five hits, five walks, and three Ks. He was woeful out there today. I, I, the the White Sox offense didn't really get to him until Timmy forced the issue, and then they was like, okay, this guy doesn't want us to doesn't want us to hit the ball because he's not throwing it close to the strike zone, even though they flailed three times. What do you think about Carlos Hernandez performance today, Jared? I I mean, like you said, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, He got away with um, really putting a ton of guys on base. I mean, those first few innings that this White Sox, you know, they're getting the guys on base and it was, it felt like it was setting up for another frustrating loss because you, you think that you're going to see, man, they had opportunity after opportunity. So, I mean, in a way, the first few innings, they, they kind of let, they really let them get away with it. Um, they have four base runners in that inning, only scored one run. That's, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> the good thing is, is they continued to get guys on base and then eventually started driving them in. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, in a way, they're jumping on a, a, a bad pitching performance, but this really, sh- yes, they came back to win, but they shouldn't have been behind 
in this game in the first place. Yeah, and then we see the other side of that. Vince Velasquez, oof, friends, that was tough. And sorry, I missed it earlier. Bounce DJ with a $5 super chat. Boo, boo, boo. Thanks, Bounce DJ, my man. <laughs> Vince Velasquez was not as good. He was he was a little bit better, got us to five innings, which saved a little bit bullpen wear and tear, but not great for Vince Velasquez either. Let's look at his line. Five innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He gave that rocket home run up to Hunter Dozier, and we'll get to that in a second. But Vince, for how poorly the outing was, this is what I literally said as a fifth starter has to give this White Sox team, a regular hitting White Sox team, five innings pitch, four earned runs or less. It's not a great start, but as a fifth starter, and now he's probably six or seven starter, I'll take it, Jerry. It's not great. It's fine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking um, as the back end of the rotation. And in in an environment where the White Sox are hitting the way that they should, you can pitch five innings and give up four runs and you're going to be okay. But like I'm seeing uh, Rustic Cole um, in the comments, you know, with Johnny Cueto here now, there's Velasquez might lose it, you know, might lose his spot. Um, but for today, at least that's, that's about all you can ask for because there is also you want to think about the amount of innings that the bullpen is being asked to take because here early in the season um, it's been a little bit of a concern. I know a few days ago, Dallas Keuchel, when he was pulled from, from his start a little earlier than he, he would have liked. That was one of the things that he expressed was feeling like, you know, he even said it, he said, I'm worried about our bullpen a little bit. There's a lot of innings they're going to be asked to take throughout the season. So if we don't need them earlier in the season, that helps us down the road. So to get from your fifth starter to get five innings, that's, yeah, that's about all you can ask for. And usually I would crap on Tony La Russa, <laughs> but later in the game, Tony La Russa did a thing where I think every White Sox fan was probably yelling for. Maybe he could have did it with a, with a, Different, an earlier guy where uh, you had Gavin Sheets going up against a lefty in his at-bat the inning before. But in the, was it the seventh inning, Stephen? I think it was, yes. The seventh inning where Reese McGuire was scheduled to hit, he pinch hit for him with Adam Engel. And Adam Engel drove in the go-ahead run right there with a 5-4 lead right there. Uh, White Sox lead 5-4 in the seventh inning. I thought it was a great move, probably an obvious move to have a left-handed batter and Reese McGuire to face a left-handed hitter. But I crap on Tony La Russa when he does poorly. Let me give him some credit when he does well. That was a move that I think most White Sox fans were hollering for, and he did it, and we got to give him credit for that. Uh, let's see where we're at. Sorry about that. And I'm just a little off right her, now. Her, let me Sorry. hop in real quick. Go Two ahead. things Sorry. we talked about in pregame was working some counts, getting some walks, Five walks uh, off of uh, Hernandez is great. And then in, with runners in scoring position, we said how bad the numbers were. I forget what they were now. They were horrendous, though, the last several games. Today, five for 16. Not only do you take that, you're, you like that. Five for 16 is excellent. Yeah, there's other things, too, to be frankly honest. They got a hit with the bases loaded. Yeah. I mean, that is a thing that the White Sox don't do before this game. I think they're one for 19 with bases loaded this season. They got a hit. 
struggled a couple more times with Jose Abreu and Pollock getting out in that fourth inning. But that inning started off so well. Andrew Vaughn, who should have been a rule of the air, was ruled a single, infield single. McGuire reached on a beautiful, beautiful bunt single to the third base side. He did that on two strikes, Jared. That takes balls. That takes nuts. That takes, <laughs> hey, I can do it. Yeah. Reese McGuire is probably, as Steven Nicholas, who did the pregame show, said, he's our best our absolute best punter, which is weird to say is our backup catcher and also bunting, which is weird. Like, he's struggling at the plate. Any way you got to get on, you got to get on, and Reese McGuire did there. The next pitch, Harrison hits a single, and then Timmy drives two in right there with a great single back up the middle. Like I said, Tim is the catalyst. He was going to carry these guys, this dead-ass offense, to the promised land, and that's what happened today. That fourth inning, while it ended up bad because you had a couple guys get out with the bases loaded and only one out, it's still a good inning where they showed some heart, showed some life there for the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think in addition to Tim Anderson, if you want to look at what, what it's going to take to get the offense really going, um, you've got to look at Jose Abreu too. Um, it came up on the radio during the game today about – you know, they talked about how he's he's been more patient this year, so he's drawing more walks, but you kind of need Abreu a little more aggressive. You know, I, w- I want to see him going after um, some pitches a little more. Um, the, you know, he had that nice double a couple of games ago, drove in a couple of runs. So there's, you know, that's more like the Jose Abreu that you're used to seeing. Um, but like they said, you know, during the broadcast today, I think I would like to see Abreu – being a little more aggressive because I think I think that's another thing that's going to help get this offense going is you get Anderson doing what he does and then Abreu you know, hitting doubles like we're used to giving you the home runs when he when he you know like he usually does uh, but yeah I think they need Abreu to pick it up a little bit maybe the patience has been good the walks have been good but I think he's got to shift his approach too in the top of the sixth I want to get your opinion on this and uh Steven and I were both kind of questioning the move, even though it worked out. You have uh, Josh Harrison get on base via the infield single. Then Tim Anderson singles the ball to left. Benatendi has to go to his right a little bit. He's a left-handed thrower, picks the ball up, and throws the strike to third base. It's a bang-bang play. Josh Harrison makes it. Your thoughts on that? Because Steven and I were like, the risk-reward there is not worth it. Getting to third is not worth it. I like, I also want to fight it back against myself because I'm like, I like an aggressive running team, but also base running needs to be a little tightened up, even though he made it there. You don't want to make the first out at third base. Right. He was just safe, so it worked out, but yeah. I don't want him to be doing that. What are your thoughts on that, even though it worked out? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you because, you know, number one, you don't want the, like you said, you don't want the first out at third, but it was one of those plays where as he's doing it, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my car driving in, listening on the radio and I'm shouting to myself, like, don't, you know, what are you doing? Um, and it's kind of like though, when the guy takes the shot and you're like, don't shoot, don't shoot. But then they make it and you're like, yes, great shot. So, um, that's a little bit what it felt like, you know, there's some relief because yeah, I like a little added aggression. Like I said earlier, you try to take an extra base where you're, you're trying to manufacture a little bit, but that just feels like that's a risky play that can really kill a rally. Um, cause you go from now, what would have been, you know, maybe guys on first and second, but you've got two men on to, no yes, out, yeah. It, yeah, no outs. And it works out nicely that you're at the corners instead. Um, but yeah, risk reward 99 times out of a hundred, I say, stop at second there and, and let 
you know, let the next guy do his job. And then Moncada struck out. He was struggling a little bit early, and then later in the game he got a hit. It kind of looked like he tweaked something, but he did not leave the game. Then Robert, he's doing exactly what I asked for him to do. He's not listening to me. He's listening <laughs> probably to himself. He's letting the ball travel. He's letting the ball get deep on him, and he's he has the quick hands. You saw it with the home run later in the game, but in the top of the six with runners on first and third on one out, let the ball travel. He let it inside the out swing, hits the ball to right center, gets a hit right there for the White Sox right there to tie up the game. It was a clutch hit, a, a hit that the White Sox usually don't get, especially Steven talked about it earlier. Runners and scorers position before today, really woeful. Five for 13 today, Steven? Five for 16. That's a much improved thing. I'll take that every single time. Robert is turning into a superstar before our eyes. You'll see still the frustrating things like he's swinging at balls in the first inning where a guy wants to walk him, but then you see the greatness right there with that hit and then that murdered slider in the middle of the thing. On 0-2, the guy tried to throw three sliders in a row. Like, he threw it at the bottom of the zone. I don't know if I gave you the graphic, Steven, but... He threw two sliders at, away from Luis Robert, and the third one hung up. He tried to do a backdoor slider. No, sir. 410 <laughs> late year, uh, feet later, the White Sox have a 7-4 to four lead. That is just the maturation of Luis Robert. He's doing the things that you need to do to get the team to the win, and him and Tim Anderson led this team to a great victory. And I like in the at-bat where he drove in Harrison from third, the fact that, like you said, he's he's letting the ball travel and come into the zone a little bit because that's an easy spot for a, a younger hitter um, to make the mistake of being a little overeager, um, trying to chase a little bit, trying to, you know, so because you, you know a guy is seeing the ball well, the deeper it gets into the zone before he, you know, he takes his swing. So I like that just, I think what that says about him mentally, where he's at, he's, you know, he's calm in that approach because he knows Again, there, here's Harrison at third, and this is a big spot. But he doesn't let that affect um, his at-bat. And so that's, you know, that's a really positive sign, again, for a young hitter who loaded with talent, but you want to see him do at-bats like that because it shows that he's, he's learning, he's maturing, he's growing, um, and he's just going to continue to get better. I want to bring in our producer, Stephen Nicholas, who was on the pregame show earlier. Stephen, your thoughts on the White Sox coming through 7-4 to victory over the Kansas City Royals? Because this game was a roller coaster for our emotions. This one felt good. Like, I, I can't say there's been too many games this year where I was like, you know what, I, I'm leaving that game with a great feeling. They were down early. It did not look good. You know, Vince Velasquez didn't look great. He battled. His start wasn't great, but he battled. He got them deeper into the game, which was great for the bullpen, allowing Kelly... Then what is it, Graveman and then uh, Hendricks to finish it out? Mm-hmm. That's excellent. And then the offense coming through with some clutch hitting and adding some cushion. Yeah, I I, I joke around. You know, I, I do all these post game shows. I haven't had a comfortable post game show since that Seattle game with Robbie Ray pitching, where I could just publish it and know this score is going to stick. The one time I thought I had it, the one time I thought I, I had it, Josh Naylor had other plans. Yeah, oh. I remember yeah, you were kind of mad at the result, but also you like, mad. I got to scrap everything that I just did. Oh, my God, that was a terrible game for everybody involved. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets to up to $2,000. But that's not it. 
If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all the web content, and you'll even get a free t-shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker room. And the web content, our own Jared Willis, who's sitting to the left of me, a guy that's going to be calling in in a second, who's from is in Kansas City, Vinny Duber. If you like football, you like the Bears, Nicholas Moriano, and also Adam Hogue writes some good stuff. We all got you covered there. And a free t-shirt? T-shirts cost like $30. You're paying $50? Man, you're getting a deal and a CHGO membership? You better go ahead and do that right now. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at Point. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's new feature, Live NBA Same Game Parlay. For the first time ever, you can build your perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. Want more? You can boost your live same-game parlays, watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And now, online sign-up in Illinois is available. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from your phone start to finish. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Now, this is usually the time that Vinny calls in, but you know, whatever. He were, he's down in Kansas City doing some extra work. Probably that clubhouse is a little rocking. He probably can't hear all the, the answers he's getting from the people out there. But it's just weird to see, too, that Liam Hendricks, while he got the job done, he's not the guy that showed up last year as yet like you see glimpses you see the glimpses of him just striking guys out but as Steven just said there's never really a time this year with the White Sox game where okay we have a lead we got our closer in our two-time reigning AL uh, reliever of the year game over like I don't know what's going on with him I haven't looked at the peripherals, and Sean's not here. Usually he would break down. Like he's got this fastball spin, and he'd be like, oh, we're, he's fine, guys. He's just running into troubles. Do you see anything this year from Liam Hendricks that you find concerning, or do you just think it's you know it's early, he's just going to find his uh, spin eventually, and he'll be good? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to think it's, it's still early, so I'm not necessarily worried about Hendricks at this point. Because um, even, you know, you look at his outing today where – there's some bad. He, he gives up two hits, but both, I mean, the one was kind of a bloop single that just, you know, it, it reached that awkward spot in the outfield where Tim Anderson can't quite get to it, mm-hmm. you know. And it, he probably, uh, in, like, running through that ball and he got hit, he knew it. You right. hear a loud, so, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just one of those, like, it's a little bit of luck for, for the Royals hitter. Um, but I like the way that after – those hits, the way you watched Hendricks adjust a little bit, he, I feel like he gets a little more aggressive sometimes oh, when, yeah. you know, when he gets some guys on base. I know he's talked before and he mentioned it last season about, you know, even as he told the story about his wife calling him out saying, you need to pitch <laughs> angry more. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's a little bit of, you know, he, he's, okay, shoot, I've got some guys on base, the tying runners on, you know, up to, up to the bat, um, up to the plate. And so, um, but then that's when you see the 98 mile an hour fastballs up real high in the zone. And it's like, just, you know, good luck with this. Here it comes. He threw that right past Ryan O'Hearn. Right. I mean, yeah. I was scared and had a bet, truth be told, because Ryan O'Hearn last year did some damage versus the White Sox. And so, whew, it's just good to have a victory 
after so many disappointing losses for the White Sox. And I think eventually Hendricks will be fine. And Rusty Cole says Hendricks' velocity is fine. The slider was hanging a lot in April and last week. Wonder what the cut off a little bit. Uh, you'll probably get it back in Rusty Cole. But I think he'll be fine eventually. 24 pitches today. Not ideal for a closer to be throwing that many. But he didn't allow any runs. So, you know, no harm, no foul there. I just like for these games to just be less stressful in the mm-hmm. ninth inning. And that guy usually has that, but this year has been, ugh, are we going to be in that? And if without the Luis Robert home run in the eighth inning, we're stre- we're sweating that That's big time out. And I don't, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like going into this big time series we have versus the Yankees thinking that we won't have him for tomorrow's game because he threw 24 pitches and now he's got to travel. Um, let's see, Russell Cole, let's see, I can't see that right there. Blank name says, this is starting to feel like the year before Canerco became part-time player with the White Sox when it comes to Abreu. The power is gone, all he does is strike out or hit ground balls. I gotta push back a little bit. Jose Abreu still hitting the ball hard as hell. That double play he hit into, I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, that, that was a rocket. I'm seeing 108.7 off the bat. I'll take that every single time. I don't care if it's GIDP, and I get it, Blake Name. I, I'm not attacking you. Hey, man, 108 off the plate, off the bat, I'm taking that every time, and that's just an exceptional play. And when it's hit 108.7, you're not going to make it as you got Jose Abreu's speed. It's just hit pretty much to the second baseman. He reaches the glove out, throws the second, and throws the first. I am not too much worried about Jose Abreu. He'll be fine. August hasn't even come yet. And the man's hitting, mm-hmm. what, 207? He's not there. OPS is at 625. But you know, today, he had two hard-hit balls. He's had a lot of hard-hit balls and a lot of bad luck. Jose has been good as far as taking his walks, getting his hits in this series. If anybody is going to be, I'm not going to get on anybody, especially Jose Abreu today for his approach. Sometimes you just hit the ball hard, and Jared, you know that. I mean, yeah. I think Jose Abreu might be on his last legs, but I don't think he's Canerco in his last year. That was tough. <laughs> no, he's he's not at that level, I don't think, because um, he's you're right. He's hitting the ball hard still. His approach is still good. We talked about the walks um, a little bit earlier. Uh, so, and it's the weather starting to warm up, and yeah. most of these guys is you know it's you play in Chicago in April. It's it's brutal out there. So. It's every year after year we see these bats start to heat up as the weather gets better. So, you know, as we as we get in here into May and into June, I think you're going to see Abreu. Um, some of these, you know, some of these hits that he's like today. That's all about location. You hit the ball that hard, but you hit it right at somebody. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing you can do about that. So, um, that one goes a little one way or the other, and it's it's a completely different outcome. Because all you can look for from him is hit the ball hard. And as long as he's doing that, I'm not worried about him. And I'm looking at Jose Abreu's baseball savant page, his percentile rankings. He's 99th percentile in hard rate percentage. So he's That's just murdering the ball. <laughs> it's top five in the MLB right now. Just absolutely crushing the ball. He'll be fine. Yeah. And, you know, his expected sluggings in the 80 percentile, expect, uh, expected weighted on bases in the 77 percentile, he's still good. He's still doing things. Um, and my guy, uh, I saw your means dumper earlier up there. Can we talk about your top five third baseman Mankata? What the fuck is going on with him? I don't know because he missed the slider or curveball middle middle by a foot. 
earlier in the game, and he struck out a couple times. Didn't look comfortable at the plate until that last at bat, and then he rounds the base, and to me, he looked like he kind of jumped up and yeah. something was biting him, and then there was a ball in the ninth inning that was foul, and he kind of limped gingerly towards that ball after it. And so I'll ask Vinny if they have any update. He didn't leave the game, so he might be still fine. I still think he's a top five third baseman when he's right, but he's had COVID, he's had injuries, and that's part of the evaluation. Availability is part of, is the best ability, so Yoan gets judged on that. Last year, he played a lot of games. I think the third most for any White Sox, so I don't too much think that you should worry about Yoan Moncada. That's my thing. You, Jared? Yeah, I'm not really worried about him in general. I am a little mildly concerned about Kind of the, the way he looked today, because even when uh, Luis Robert hit the home run, and, yeah, uh, he was Moncada was pretty slow coming around the bases. Uh, so yeah, I'll wait to hear from uh, you know Vinny can come on and give us an update or just to to see uh, what the word is on that. Because hopefully it's just he's he's fine. He'll he'll be back out there tomorrow or perhaps <laughs> even a day to day situation. But um, yeah, Rusty Cole, any Moncada slander will be met with a flamethrower. Uh, the guys, you know, how long has he been back? He's been back for probably a week and a half now. Yeah. So, yeah. and he's, he's already, he's had some home runs. I mean, he's, so he's, he's doing okay. I'm not, I'm not worried again, other than, you know, I, I hate to see the guy limping. Yeah. And I feel weird, Jared, because I am happy and elated. The White Sox won a five game series against the Royals. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just like, hey, okay, we're cool to win this series, but also, why are we so happy to beat a also ran team that's got fourteen wins on the season? I guess beggars can't be choosers because the alternate reality is before that third inning, I was downtrodden, ready to come in here and light everything on fire. I said I was gonna throw a trophy if they lost three or five to the Royals, but now I feel good going into New York. I don't feel the best I could because I know New York's going to be tough and to win games on the road, um, this road trip, I wanted four out of the five so you at least get a 500 uh, series because you could get swept by the, the Yankees. But I feel good. Is that wrong of me to feel good about winning three of five? Or is it like, like I feel like, okay, you're not supposed to feel good about a team that's supposed to be a champion beating an all-saran. Am I wrong? Are you guys wrong out there who's listening and watching? Like, do you feel good about this three out of five? Because I do. Jared? I, yeah, I mean, I think you should because, you know, if you're w- waiting to see if this team is going to get it together and get on a roll, it's got to start somewhere. So, you know, do you want to nitpick over who they're beating or look at the fact that, yeah, they're better than the Royals. They should beat the Royals three, you know, three out of five. And, you know, maybe four, four out of five is, is, yeah, that's what you want. But – um, they, they won the series. They finished with a win like this that can be a momentum builder. So that is what a, a playoff team is supposed to do is go Ooh. in and, and beat bad teams. Um, and you need that, you know, that positive momentum going into it. What is going to be a tough series in New York against the Yankees? Cause they had a hard time against the Yankees at home, um, just this past weekend. So yeah, that's, you should be happy about that. You you beat bad teams. That's what you're supposed to do. Oh, yeah. My guy, uh, Shane, Lucky Spags, before the game, he called the home run. I also called the home run. Somebody uh, picked him as our 
click to pick. I picked Tim Anderson for my click to pick. Did I win, Steven? I, I forgot close, who was you. but he just barely edged out Gavin Sheets. I forgot correct. who you picked. You Gavin Sheets? Okay. I, I don't I, remember picking that myself. Okay. Did he get pitch hit for? No, he didn't. Uh, Jackson 23 with a super chat. $20 super chat. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the next series versus the Yankees, the one we need to win. And we are on <laughs> national TV Sunday night. Baseball, the Yankees just lost the Orioles today in a walk-off fashion. I can't see it now. It just went off, uh, Stephen. Sorry. I'm, I'm a, I can't read that small thing. I'm an old man, Stephen. Uh, we need to, in all caps, we need to win this series to avenge our series loss at home. <sighs> it's not going to happen. I the Even the most positive White Sox fan know where they're standing. I would want them to compete, to not get outclassed, which I think they did last weekend in Chicago versus the Yankees. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for a series victory, and I know I should, but this team is this team. Like, I can't mm-hmm. expect more from a team that is literally 500 and struggling to beat teams like the Kansas City Royals. Now, this, as you said, might be a catalyst. Getting a little confidence off of Sisters of the Poor might ch- ch- uh, charge you into the next mm-hmm. series and say, okay, guys, that's all we need to see. Sometimes... Basketball players like all we need to see is the basketball going through the hoop, right? And now we're good. The confidence is building, and you got a guy in Dallas Keiko who has a career rec- a career ERA versus the Yankees at two point zero six and ten starts. So you might feel good tomorrow going in and getting that dub. But the Yankees are a tough team to ask for them to win two out of three versus the Yankees is a tough ask, very tough ask. And and let's say you know if if they go into New York and. They, they lose the series. They don't get swept. They, yeah. they win one of them. And you take just this road trip by itself. And, and typically what you look for a team to do is win more of your games at home, try to go 500 on the road. And if you take this road trip by itself, that yeah. would, will be a 500 road trip, which, you know, given how they've looked, it might feel frustrating. But if you take that in isolation and just weigh that against what do you typically want to see a team do, you could call that a successful road trip. Yeah, and up a little bit, Stephen, there was a guy talking. There it is, Rusted Cole. Every game we lose counts, so it should alarm us, even in May. But every game that we win also counts and will help us in September. But I agree with Herb that beating KC should be a head nod, not a back pat. That's, a, well, that's well put right there because yeah. I feel much better, though, Rusted Cole, but I'm also conflicted about feeling this good about a win that should be in the bank. We should be having, you know, celebrations about four out of five and sweeping the Royals because you saw that team. That team is no good. They are young and good. Like, that Melendez kid is going to be a problem for years to come. Same thing with Bobby Witt Jr. Nicky Lopez got heated up. You know Whit Merrifield's 1,000, but he'll still be uh, doing things when he's 1,001. And they just had uh, Salvi Perez go on the IL. So he'll, of course, hit the White Sox. But I wanted to get to one guy that the White Sox actually dominated, and this is – Actually, our producer, Steven Nicholas's thing, he did this research and remembers that Hunter Dozier, the White Sox controlled Hunter Dozier last year. And Steven, if you want to speak about it, you could talk about how Hunter Dozier did last year and then this year. Yeah, last year he gets three hits and 44 bats the entire season. The White Sox had his number, and he just could not figure out White Sox pitching. Today, completely different story. He was the reason I thought, oh, man, we're going to lose this game and lose the series he goes three for four today, has a home run, three RBIs, which matches his last season total versus the White Sox, <laughs> as do his three hits. So in wow. one game, he matched an entire season's total versus the White Sox today. I, It's weird. I kind of felt like when Hunter, I think I said it in the pregame, Steven, I was like, 
Robert Dozier is nothing. And maybe I was subconsciously thinking about, I didn't think it was only three hits and 44 at-bats. Only thing I remember about Hunter Dozier is when he ran right into Jose Abreu on a pop fly and knocked out Jose Abreu. Jose got his revenge on a walk-off that later that week versus Kansas City Rose to send them home. So, yeah, that's an amazing stat right there. Hunter Dozier, really, that home run was rocketed out of the ballpark, too, off of uh, Vince Velasquez. Now we got to have a discussion about where we're going to be when eventually Lance Lynn comes back in June. Lance Lynn will be here. Of course, Lucas Gilly will be here. Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech. We got three guys now competing for the fifth spot. I don't know if Vince Velasquez disqualified himself today with his poor performance. I think it was a poor performance, but it's what I've been asking for, five and four or less. We saw the last time that Dallas Keuchel took the ball, shut down the Yankees pretty well. It was a good as a good outing. Now we saw on Monday Johnny Cueto turning back the clock. Slider, sinker, the man was working. In your heart of hearts, Davis Mills, he's not going to be in there. Uh, it's not <laughs> Davis Mills, the former quarterback. Davis Martin. 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 I forget yeah. his name all the time. Uh, I should know his name, but he's back in AAA. So if you had to make this decision <laughs> right now, who would you put as the fifth starter? Vince Velasquez, Johnny Cueto, or would you go with Dallas Keuchel? I th- I think I got to go Cueto there. Okay. Um, Keuchel, I, I think I'm just too leery about putting him in that spot given how much he has struggled over the last year and a half or so. Um, yeah, he looked good against the Yankees. He's had a couple of good outings here. Those last two or three times out, he's he's looked pretty decent. But, you know, it takes a lot more than for me than a couple of good outings for me to say, all right, I can trust this guy in that last spot in the rotation. Because he's, for the most part, is not even pitching like the guy that you can trust to give you five innings mm-hmm. and hold the other team to four runs. He's, he's not even done that most of the time. So, you know, yes, I'm judging Cueto based on – one appearance and so I may eat eat these words at some point but right I mean, now I think Cueto I'm I'm right there with you that stuff plays mm-hmm. like I know it was versus the Royals who are a team that really can't hit but that movement on the two-seamer which he calls a sinker is just deadly it makes hitters stop and like okay what is he doing he got three looking strikeouts just Hey, it was a great game to watch because he's so versatile and messing with timing all the time with his shimmy shake. Sometimes mm-hmm. he just does a slow pitch. Sometimes he comes fast. So it looks unanimous almost. These guys, uh, Dave Barisa says Cueto. Rusta Cole says Cueto, no question. Oh, look at Abraham being a little different. Cy Keiko. Cy Keiko. Calm all down. Right. I know he won one. Calm down. Well, that guys, may- we're going to get an opportunity to evaluate them. Uh, this is per Scott Merkin and Rusted Cole actually pointed me out to this. It's going to be uh, Keiko. Tomorrow, and then Cueto in game two, and it's going to be either Kopech or Cease on Sunday. All right. I hope it's Cease. Oh, but right now, let's go out to Kansas City, Kauffman Stadium, to speak with our beat reporter for CHGO White Sox. It is Vinny Duber. Follow Vinny Duber at Vinny Duber. How are you doing, Vinny? Wow, the dulcet tones of uh, of Herb Lawrence today. That was quite the uh, mellow introduction. I got the, (laughs) the host computer in front of me. I was going to cross my legs, but I can't. So, you know, I was going to play the part. But, Vinny, just we talked about it, and we've talked about it ad nauseum. 
Tim Anderson is the catalyst for this team. And it seemed to me that after the first inning where he walked and got no help and didn't they didn't score any runs, he seemed like, hey, third inning, hey, I'm going to walk again, and I'm stealing second, stealing third, and I'm starting this. I'm starting this for you guys to knock me in. I'm not waiting around for you guys to start hitting. Did, did either Tim or Tony speak about how great this player is? I mean, Tim probably didn't speak about himself. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, and Tony treated it like, you know, it's like, hey, I've told you this a thousand times, you guys, but but he's a special player. I mean, yeah, he is, obviously, with what he can do and with what he does for this team, like you, like you said there. You know, I, I think to, Tony said he sparked us today. And and Tim said he was just playing his game, just doing his thing, having fun. And, and I don't think he looked at it like, uh, you know, uh, oh man, the the weeks of offensive uh, you know malaise from this team. I need to I need to do something to break the dam. It was just that's what Tim Anderson does, and it has that effect, right? So uh, listen, it, it, there's there's no need to be surprised by it anymore. This is the kind of thing that Tim Anderson does, and when this team looks like it's supposed to look, which it has not done very often so far this year, it's because Tim Anderson is doing that kind of thing. And. While it wasn't a spectacular performance, I got to give credit to Vince Velasquez for battling through with subpar stuff. He didn't have good stuff today. The Kansas City Royals were hitting him pretty hard. To get there to five innings to save the bullpen a little bit more than I thought he would, I always thought he was going to be three and dive. Did Tony speak about that and how Vince really saved the bullpen today? Yeah, I mean, we saw it from Lucas Giolito the other day, right, when, when he only went five innings. Now he only gave up two runs, but... Uh, and, and that was, it was, you know, the reaction was, well, that's what an ace does. He guts it out when he doesn't have his best stuff. And, and hey, you don't have to be, uh, you know, an all-star in order to, to turn in that kind of performance. So Vince Velasquez is a veteran. He, he dug deep also and managed to get through. He wasn't having really the same pitch count issues that, that Lucas was the other day. So maybe a little bit easier for him to, to make it five than, than Lucas, uh, you know, kind of gutting his way through that one. But, you know, that's, uh, there's a lot that goes into a bullpen needing to kind of rest up and needing to be in the best position to, to win. And as the season goes deeper here and the starters are able to, to get through these kinds of games, you got to let them because otherwise your bullpen's going to be taxed, which is what we saw in April. And I'll crap on Tony every once in a while, but I got to give him credit. Perfectly managed game. I loved, I don't know if he called the bunt right there with Reese McGuire down third baseline, still with two outs. That was beautiful. Perfect execution by Reese McGuire. And then to take Reese McGuire out in the, I think it was the seventh inning, and have Adam Engel hit and did the over uh, the uh, winning run right there at 5-4. to four. Just a beautifully, ga- uh, perfectly executed game by Tony Russa. I love when he does these good, good uh, management games and strategy is down pat. Did he talk about what he was thinking about right there with uh, going to Adam Engel instead of going uh, with Reese McGuire? Well, first of all, I'll let you. I'll let him know that you said this because I'm he sure loves he wants me. to. I, I'm sure he wants to hear your uh, your rave review. Uh, it's but, about time uh, he hears I, something I, from me. Yeah, right. I, I think it was. I think. I think the decision was probably, or the question maybe was more Angle versus Grandal, uh, who you know was supposed to have a day off, uh, but obviously got in there in the end after McGuire got pinch hit for. Uh, Tony said, you know, he was basically just trying to stay away from from Yasmani in that situation because he wanted to rest him as much as he could. Didn't end up happening that way. But, uh, I mean, we looked at the numbers up here. I think they had kind of identical batting averages against the lefty, but, you know, Angle's OPS is higher. So, I mean, if you're looking for that base knock to get a run in or, you know, a little extra base hit maybe to, to bring in a few, 
maybe that's the guy you go with right now with the way Grandal has struggled at the plate. Obviously, Grandal had to go in there and catch, so not a full day off for him. But uh, Angle just kind of seemed more ready to go, as Tony uh, explained it, because he you know, was was ready in case he was needed late in that game to do something. Not that Grandal wasn't ready, but uh, Angle was probably preparing throughout the whole game to, to make a defensive uh, uh, replacement at the very least, and, and in this case it was a pinch hit appearance. And then in the eighth inning, I saw the hit by Yoan Moncada. It kind of looked like he pulled up lame, stayed in the game. No one came out and checked on him. And then in the ninth inning, it was a foul ball that it looked kind of weird. Is there any concern or any update on Yoan Moncada? Because they didn't seem concerned about it. So I'm just making sure that he's all good to go. He's got something. Uh, there was something bothering him. You obviously could see it. And then, you know, we asked Tony about it. And he said, yeah, something in the leg. Wasn't sure exactly the specifics on where, but uh, – you know, if he stayed in the game today, it, you know, it, it's likely that it wasn't bothering him too bad because they're very cautious. Obviously, they don't want those things to turn into anything worse. So uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like something that would be serious, but uh, I guess we'll just see as the days go on whether that's still affecting him because obviously something uh, was tweaked there a little bit uh, in his legs. And last thing I got for you, Vinny, uh, any more Kansas City sojourns? I know last night was a tough thing after the game to get some food, but are you going to make any more trips to get some good cue? Well, I'll tell you this. My brother and his family uh, live in Kansas City. So tonight going to have a little family dinner mm. uh, uh, after, you know, uh, zipping around town yesterday, kind of, uh, you know, solo. Gonna, we're gonna, uh, I think we're going to get some barbecue. I'm not sure quite sure where. Somewhere out in the burbs where they live probably. But uh, can provide an update for you when I get back, Herb. How about that? All right. We're on Sunday, Vinny, for Sunday Night Baseball. Are you going to be here with us? A late night. A late night show probably facing those Yankees who always play four and a half hour games. So, you know, what, today was about 3.50 or something like that. So here we go. Buckle up. And then I forgot to ask you, but Stephen gave us an update. It's, so it's going to be Keuchel and then who on Saturday and Sunday? So it'll be Dallas tomorrow uh, for, the, for the season uh, debut. The season debut. The series start there in, uh, in Yankee Stadium. Johnny Cueto is now going to pitch on Saturday. They were hoping Michael Kopech could be back from paternity leave to make that start in time. He will likely not be. Uh, his second child has not yet been born, so he's still waiting on that. So asking, uh, yeah. They are, again, hoping that he can be back in time for Sunday's game. Uh, if, he, if not, it'll be Dylan Cease, though the White Sox would very much like to give Dylan Cease a few extra days of rest. They got the off day on Monday before they start a series at home against Boston, so they'd like to get him some, some more rest if they could, but if Michael Kopech's not available, it'll be Cease on Sunday Night Baseball. All right, Vinny, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, safe dinner tonight. Safe travels back to Chicago. I know you like to drive back. That's You're going back Iowa or you're going back the regular 57 way? Usually usually it's through uh, through Missouri when you're coming from the city. I, I grew up in the western burbs, and that was a little closer to Iowa, so that's the way they sent, uh, they sent send us from the hometown there. But uh, usually it's uh, up across Missouri and up through Illinois there on 55 uh, to get home. It's boring either way. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of farmland. You see the, you see the entire Midwest in, in one lovely eight-hour snapshot. You're like, why do people live here? Ugh. All right, I'm sorry for making fun of Midwest folks. Thank you, Vinny Duber. You can follow his work at Vinny Duber. He is our CHGO White Sox beat reporter. Appreciate it, Vinny. Bye, guys. The White Sox will be in New York State of Mind this weekend versus the Yankees. Jared... Any predictions of this weekend versus the Brock's Bombers? You just saw the pitching matchups with Keiko, Cueto, and either uh, you cease or you get Michael Kopech, which I hope he's not coming back that quickly. Yeah. Enjoy some time with his family. 
Yeah, I think like we were talking during the game today. I would, I think I would prefer, I know like Vinny said, they want Cease to have those extra couple of days. I think I'd rather just see Cease on Sunday night, give Kopech the chance to, you know, whatever's happening um, baby-wise, give him a chance to, if the baby's born, a little more time at home, and also just for him mentally to have more time to, to then adjust to rejoining the team and coming back. And to be honest with you, given Keiko's track record against the Yankees, um, how Cueto has looked, and the way Dylan Cease has pitched this year, I, I kind of like those three mm-hmm. in this series. It's a tough series. It's a road series. Um, but, you know, I, I've got some some mild optimism going into the, these next three games. Yeah, I have optimism too. I think they're going to do well versus uh, the Yankees on Friday because Dallas Keuchel is pitching, and it's weird to say he just owns those people out there in New York. He knows how to pitch to them. So that's the game I think the White Sox are going to take. They're going to go and get one of those three games, which to me, satisfactory, as you said earlier. You you have a 500 road trip. You got one versus the Yankees. You did get embarrassed. That's all I want, compete, especially on that national stage. I want to see Dylan Cease introduce himself to the national stage to the people who haven't seen him and don't yes. know who the filth that that man owns. And then also he struck out 11 Yankees last time he faced them. They got him for six runs. I'm sure there's something inside of him burning just like, yeah. these sons of bitches. They think they're better <laughs> than me. I'm not. We got our producer, Steven Nicholas. What about you? And on this series in New York, three games, what do you feel they're going to win? I think they just win the one. Okay. And I hate to be a pessimist, Unless if Jared joins us again. You know, they're actually want to know when you join us. That's true. And they're also want to know when Sean isn't here. And okay. guess what? So, Sean will not be here on Sunday. Well, maybe so, I need to. Yeah. Sean said he yeah. might. He might try okay. to get in on Sunday. Right. Oh, my God. This guy's going to rush his vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They get one win, and now all of a sudden he's trying to rush back. I huh? mean, it's a night game, so he okay. you know, enjoy his time and then get back here to do the hosting duties because... I don't like hosting duties. I gotta wear. I gotta have this whole laptop. You people who are listening on the podcast, I got a laptop and all. I'm up here sweating. It's not great. I like being in Jared's seat where I get to answer questions, not give them. Yeah, much better. So for Jared Willis, we really appreciate you coming in. It's J W Y L L Y S. Lots wise replace the eyes. That's right. And you're a Wheaton guy too, right? That's correct. Ah, oh, there's nothing better than the city of Wheaton. I'm going back there on Saturday to Good do a, to MCA Wheaton North the uh, jazz concert because that's what I'm Excellent. about. I yeah. love jazz. Wheaton North is the greatest. And state for a, champion Wheaton North. Damn right, seven eight state right. champion Wheaton North. <laughs> Never forget it. Thank you, Jarrett. And for our producer Stephen Nicholas, where can we find you on Twitter? Nowhere. I'm, I'm off the grid, Herb. You can't right. find me. That is a work uh, Twitter handle only. God I just use it for Steve, gathering People info. want to follow you for your good ideas. but you I, don't can even fo- have, I don't even have a picture on mine. You can't find me. Steven is incognito, of course. And me, Herb Lawrence Eckner, wall 23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards with 2-3 for Robin Ventura, not Vince Velasquez. So for Steven, Stowe for Jarrett Willis, and our guy, Vinny Duber, thank you for listening to CHGO White Sox postgame after a 7-4 victory. We'll see you or talk to you on Sunday night.